The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is our Gospel reading for today from Mark chapter 1, and especially these words. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you were here last week, you know that I introduced the season of Epiphany as a season of the church year where we look at the various miracles of Jesus in order that we might understand better who the babe of Bethlehem is. Namely, that he is, in fact, the second person of the eternal and triune God. Well, last week, the miracle that we pondered, we admitted, was not one of the most spectacular of all times. It was the miracle of Jesus seeing Nathanael underneath the fig tree before he had ever actually seen him with his eyes. Yes, we noted that this miracle was a little bit underwhelming. We remember that Jesus even said that one should look towards things that would come that would be more spectacular. So you would think today that perhaps we move on to a more substantial miracle. But if you listen to the Gospel reading for today, you might be beginning to wonder if I just don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to Epiphany. After all, in a quick read through the Gospel reading, you might have said again, well, where is the miracle? We simply seem to have this account of Jesus calling two fishers of fish to become instead fishers of men. Just a call to follow and a response. But just like last week, I would like to assert to you that in fact there is a miracle there in that text. We will look again today to see that in our text is a tiny yet amazing miracle. And I will suggest to you that the nature of this miracle is indeed something that we do need to ponder so very much, perhaps maybe even more than some of the most more notable miracles. So what's the miracle today in our text? Well, let me read you the part of the text that contains the miracle. It says, And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left and followed him. Did you hear the miracle? Or do you think I'm really losing it? Well, indeed, there is a miracle here. You see, Simon and Andrew were called to follow Jesus. And immediately, they gave up their whole livelihood in order to go and do just that. And that is a miracle. That such a call from Jesus could produce such a response now perhaps this was not the first time that Simon or Andrew had encountered Jesus at all, but it makes it no less miraculous what happens. 
Yes, Jesus speaks, and all of a sudden, two fishermen are transformed into disciples who would later be trained to be apostles. So what precisely is the nature of the miracle? Well, to be truthful, it's a lot like almost every other miracle in the Bible. You see, God speaks, and then something that did not exist comes into being. You could say the first miracle in the Bible was when God said, let there be light, and then there was light. And ever since, God has been speaking things into existence. In our gospel reading for today, God, wrapped up in human flesh, speaks. And faith is created in the hearts of Simon and Andrew, sufficient to cause them to give up their way of life that they knew and to follow Jesus instead. If you want another example of this kind of miracle, all you have to do is go back and reread our Old Testament lesson for today from the book of Jonah. There, Jonah, after a trip through the belly of a whale, is finally on his way to Nineveh. And he goes there to that city and he speaks the word of God. He tells them that they must repent or else they will be destroyed. Now this would be much like today if we were to send an evangelist into something like Tehran, Iran with a similar message. For Nineveh was the capital of the godless Babylonian state. Well, I shouldn't say godless. They had all sorts of false gods, but godless in the sense of they did not know the true God. But what do you think would happen if we sent an evangelist today into Tehran with the message of repent or you will be destroyed? Would the evangelist be imprisoned? Would he be killed? Well, I tell you what, if I had to place a wager on it, my immediate guess probably sadly would not be that the entire city would repent from the least of them up to the greatest. And yet that's exactly what happened when Jonah went in to Nineveh. Yes, God spoke through his prophet and repentance was created where none had existed before. And if you don't call a single prophet turning an entire pagan nation to God a miracle, well then I don't know what is. You know, in a sense, we all understand that words have power. And yet, I think at the same time, we often doubt exactly how much power words have. And I think, unfortunately, that's also true when we think even about the words of God. It's sort of like we trust them enough to mold and shape those of us who are already in the faith. But we're not so sure that they have the kind of power needed to turn someone from a wayward and godless life back towards God. Yes, we typically don't think that the person who is living a life that is so obviously divorced from God's ways and his mercy and goodness could be brought to faith simply through the speaking of the word of the gospel. We don't believe that people who have fully embraced one of the world's 
ideologies or worldviews, or someone that is an adherent to a false religion, could possibly be turned to the true faith by just preaching the gospel. We don't believe often that if we know someone who is outspoken against the idea that God even exists, that they could end up worshiping that same God if the gospel were preached to them time and time again. If you don't believe that at times we have trouble believing in the power of God's word to transform a life, well then tell me, why are you so afraid to speak that word of gospel to, God, to those whom God has already placed in your life? Tell me, why is it that you think that what we really need at church is a super impressive program or to beautify the space more than people might finally come? Tell me why when people have real problems, you're more likely to direct them sometimes to a psychiatrist than to someone who could tell them of God's word. I think the truth of the matter is this. We often believe that God's word has some power, but not that kind of miraculous power that we see there in our gospel and Old Testament reading today. We don't really believe that someone could just speak the word of the gospel and someone would just change their whole life and follow Christ. We say, that sounds a little too good. Well, isn't that just what a miracle is? Something too good? Something that no man could produce through his word, but God can produce through his word? Yes, we must believe that the word of God has such power. For if the word of God does not have such power, well then we are a people to be pitied indeed. For our entire belief system is based on the idea that God's word is powerful. For if God's word is not powerful, then our baptism was nothing more than a splash of water hitting our forehead. And the words of forgiveness that I spoke earlier in the service were nothing more than a few kind words. And what will be upon this altar later today will be nothing more than compressed wheat and a few fermented grapes. And quite frankly, if God's word has no power, I should have stopped talking a long time ago. You see, if the word of God does not have the power we heard about in our readings today, then you and I are truly lost. And that is why I suggested that this tiny yet amazing miracle is indeed worthy of our pondering this day. Yes, we should amazingly look at that and say, wow, look at the word of God and what it can accomplish. We should hear the Old Testament reading and again be astounded that one prophet with a few words, God could use that to bring faith and repentance. Yes, we need to beg the Spirit that he might renew in us faith in his own word, that faith to create and renew and to strengthen faith 
even in the most unlikely places, like perhaps our own hearts. Yes, we must remember again that what happened to Simon and Andrew indeed happens to us when the word of God reaches our ears. We must remember that the words I spoke out of the hymnal today were spoken in the name of Jesus, and therefore our sins were cast away as far from the east as from the west. We will come forward here in a little bit and we will hear Jesus again say, this is my body and this is my blood. And we will receive that very body and blood. You see, Jesus speaks his words and things come into existence. Things like repentance and faith and salvation. Yes, Jesus, the eternal word, he went to the cross for us, for our salvation, in order that we might have new life both now and forever. And that is the greatest miracle there's ever been. And that's all tied in now to the preaching of God's word and the delivering of his sacraments. Oh yes, reading the gospel reading today and hearing about two men simply following Jesus at his call might seem like a rather tiny miracle again. But trust me, it's amazing. It's amazing every time the word of God goes out and accomplishes that for which it was sent. What happened to Simon and Andrew was amazing. What happened to the people of Nineveh with Jonah was amazing. And what happens to us each time we hear the word of God? Well, it's amazing as well. For each time we gather and God speaks, he brings things into existence that were not before. God speaks. He speaks about his son Jesus, and into existence comes our very salvation. Amen.